people come speak here who we don't know personally. Um, we get a lot of requests for people who say, hey, we'd love to come. We're in town. We'd love to minister at your church. And we kind of say, awesome, let's get to know each other first, and then you can come and preach at our church. And, uh, and we keep that as kind of a pretty hard and fast rule. So everybody that we invite into the church to come up here and to, to speak with us, um, we take it seriously, and we want that relational connection first because we think that's how the kingdom works. And so I'm happy to say, for your sake, we made some good friends so that they can bless you. So pray for us to have a lot of, lot of good friends that are anointed and powerful and full of wisdom and truth. So we have Danny and Shara Chalmers with us. Uh, yes, indeed. Any retreat goers? Anybody go to the retreat the last time when they ministered? Okay, so probably only 20% of the room, which is kind of crazy. I know. Unless people just, people just don't raise their hand. Who just never raises their hand for anything? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Who's here today? Yeah. Um, but uh, since 80%, I'll go with the 80%, did not have a hand raised. I'll go with that and, uh, and do a little brief introduction. Um, Danny Chalmers uh, hails from Australia. Heck yeah. And uh, he has spent some time up at Bethel in the School of the Supernatural Ministry. And uh, Danny has such a heart for healing, both inner healing as well as physical healing and bringing the love and the truth of the Lord. So if you spend any time with him, for any, any amount of time with him, you'll immediately feel the love of God from him and his desire to see wholeness with people. Shara uh, has spent quite a bit of time in Mozambique with Heidi, Heidi Baker. So if any of you have ever heard of Heidi Baker, she was Heidi Baker's personal assistant for five years. Is that right? Yeah, for five years. So she lived in Mozambique for about five years and run at a crazy pace trying to organize Heidi's life. Um, and during that time, as you can imagine, just receiving, sitting there with her spiritual mom and, and being a part of the ministry there, going out into the bush and ministering to the, to the poor and to the um, people who really need Jesus in dark places. And so she's done that. Now they've moved, uh, Danny and her moved up to Bethel, and so they're serving full time up there. Um, there's also some Compelled by Love videos in the back. I'm not sure if the books are back there, too. Um, but Compelled by Love is a biography or a documentary of Heidi's life. And Shara helped write it and then produce the film as well. And so uh, we are blessed, blessed, blessed to have them. Let's, let's welcome them with an insane ARC welcome as they come up and share the gospel. Wow. You guys, you guys blessed me. Last time, the 20%, put your hand up. I just love Berkeley. Yeah. I love the youth. I love the long fields. Yeah. I, I love how they do life, you know, and that's what heaven does, life. It, there's teaching, there's reaching, there's preaching, but there's something about, there's a family that comes first, that's where revival comes out of family. Oh. Yeah, and we um, share about you guys all over the world. Yeah. Last year at the retreat, it was uh, pretty amazing. We had an evening session, and we had a sermon prepared, but the presence just crashed in, and there was a really strong prophetic anointing, and we did not tell any of the ARC people to do this, but they were so hungry to see Berkeley reached for Jesus that there was a torrential downpour, and the buildings were closing, but they were so hungry that they just um, they went out in the rain and found a tree, just like you would do in Africa, where there aren't buildings and you meet under a tree. And they just prayed for hours until about 2 in the morning, just encountering the love of the Lord, and I was worshiping. Mm. And I first came to the ark, I think it was 2005. I think I've come back to the ark almost more than, I've preached in 40 nations, but I think I've been actually to the ark or Berkeley more than anywhere. I, the Lord just, for years now, over a decade. And um, I was just crying because I feel so proud of Ryan and Suki. I uh, am a Princeton grad and pioneered campus revival for years in the Ivy Leagues, and the turnover rate for campus ministries is so quick because it's so hard, especially in the Ivy Leagues. And for you guys to just marry this land and to love well and to lay down your life for a region, I've literally never seen it on any other campus. 
And you guys might not realize that because you're here. <laughs> so it's like if you're at a buffet, you don't realize how rich you are. But, um, yeah. but I just want to honor you because, you know, it's easy to stay at Bethel for 15 years, but to pioneer probably one of the most unreached people groups in America and do it loving freely, expecting nothing in return. And I felt like the Lord wanted to encourage you, Ryan, that there is an anointing on you uh, like the preacher Tim Keller. Tim Keller uh, pioneered in New York City, actually Redeemer Presbyterian. It's one of the largest, actually, churches in the city and probably one of the most respected ones. And he just preached the word. And the Holy Spirit would break out, but his, he focused on just feeding like millennials and people that would never step foot in church. And it literally is like this movement that's changed New York City. And I feel like the Lord's just wants to encourage you for keeping the main thing, the main thing. And yeah. Suki, I was praying for you before I came and I felt like the Lord said to get you an Esther gift. So I had trouble finding this in Reading. <laughs> we have like Walmart and Target and Bethel Bookstore. <laughs> But um, this it. is just, it's actually from India, but it's an, it's an Esther bracelet. And I felt like the Lord said that though you're entering a season of sitting at the feet of Jesus and it feels like you're pulling back from ministry, it was Esther's six months in the perfume of myrrh, which is um, like, it's, it's a burial scent. It's what they actually use to prepare Jesus for death. And then she went six months in Spikner before she went before the king. And I felt like the Lord said, there's a wave of encounters coming to you that haven't hit the ark for over like 12 years. And I just saw you in your um, prayer room and I felt like the Lord said, it's my upper room. And it's this season that's going to be so sweet that I just see you spending like whole days, like sleeping and having dreams and waking up and getting messages and just... I feel like there's even an angelic assignment there where the Lord is literally physically restoring your body. Like, just like he gave um, Elisha to eat by the ravens by the desert. Like, I saw him literally just nurturing you by food you know not of. And I feel like you need this season. It's like an oval office in the spirit, and he's literally going to give you a roadmap for the next, like, 10 years. And I just feel like that's why there was such an attack to keep you from this place of just seeking him because everything's going to change everything's going to change. And I just feel like the Lord's saying it's um, his jealousy over you. Like he's waited your whole life for this season. Like you're so excited to be with him. But if you could understand like how it's like all of heaven is waiting with bated breath. And he's like, all that you do for me, it's nothing compared to the way you just move me just by being. You know, the way you adorn your princesses with, like, super women outfits and, you know, handmade, you know, things on their head and all that stuff. Like, I just felt like the Lord said, this is a season where I'm showing you off to heaven. And there's even been, like, an assignment against you because you move so much in the supernatural to make you feel like you're not a seer. Like, you don't operate fully in, in the fullness of the prophetic. And I just want to impart to you, I just want to honor you as one prophet to another— that though everyone has known you as the pastor and the mama of the house, hey. that God calls you his friend. And I just hear over you, wow, Amos 3.7, surely the Lord does nothing except that which he reveals to his servants, his friends. And I just feel like this is a season where Jesus is going to reveal his secrets to you. Thank you, God. So we just put a wall of fire and a hedge of protection around her. And we thank you that no weapon that's formed against her. And it's interesting because this is the anniversary of the um, IHOP awakening actually today, which actually spread through all these campuses. And I just feel like you starting your um, little sabbatical today, it's the beginning of an awakening for you. And it's just going to be, I feel like the Lord's saying, keep your schedule free because he has so many things he has planned for you. And it's a Jeremiah 33. You will see things you know not of. Yeah. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Oh. And um, I would like Carlos from the back to come forward. I um, am pregnant. I'm two months pregnant, so I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
I think he walked out. But I want to leave this for him. I felt like the Lord said that it was a new day for him. I think he just was in the bathroom. But um, if anybody knows Carlos, it might have been his first time. So I will leave this for someone to give him. It's just the movie. And um, the worship leader, I'd love to leave the soundtrack for joy. And then I have um, a new uh, teaching on a school of the prophetic that I want to give to Suki because I feel like that's what you're in. So um, we are going to, I was texting with Suki and Ryan and we were like, what, what's on your heart? Do you want us to prophesy the whole time? What would you like? And she was saying um, that it was, <laughs> which Something we were different. ready to, but um, <laughs> she really had a heart for you guys to just go deeper in encountering in a tangible way, in a practical way, in a day-by-day way, the love of the Father, so much so that you give it away. And so we want to talk this, this afternoon about five roadblocks that keep you from encounters. And we're going to kind of go into ministry with each of them. So we actually, I'm a filmmaker, so I have um, two videos queued. <laughs> and they're actually secular films, so if that offends you, I'm sorry. It's Berkeley, so I thought I could get away with it. But... Um, because we're going to talk about um, specific things that hinder people. <laughs> Amazing sound visual crew. Encounters. Okay, uh, yes. This is a clip from Fathers and Daughters, and it's, ab- it's about fa- the father's heart. She just asked him, how long will you be alive, Daddy? Well, probably about a thousand. Yeah. yeah, maybe a million if I stop eating hot dogs. I will be such an old man. Right? You will have your own house and your own husband. You'll have a whole bunch of kids. You'll have a dog and a cat. And everybody will be running around putting ketchup on everything. i 
Spirit, we just welcome you. Yes, God. Father, I thank you for your beloved sons and daughters. Yes. Father, I thank you that you desire for us to know you, that that is eternal life. And Father, everything that hinders love, God, everything from the past, God, every ounce of shame and condemnation and striving and comparison in condemnation or judgments or unforgiveness. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would literally crash in today. Yes, God. That you would draw us deeper in your heart yes, than we even knew was possible. And Father, I just I just ask that you come, Holy Spirit, and just pierce in each and every one of everyone's heart here today, God. That all those walls that were put up for protection will be broken down today, God. Every walls will be broken. Every chains will be broken and shattered right now in Jesus' name. Come. And we felt like the Lord highlighted five areas that are like roadblocks to experiencing his love. And um, as I talk about the first one, which is striving, um, I want to talk about a recent encounter I just had. As Suki got a flight to Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and um, there was a gathering at the mall in D.C. before the White House. It was called Rise Up because they've studied that before every major move of God, there was a huge prayer movement. But before the Jesus People movement, it wasn't actually an organized prayer movement. It was the cries of mothers and daughters crying out for a lost generation with a hippie culture, with drug culture, with everything that was in the counterculture of the 70s, that there was moms just saying, not on my watch. So Lou Engel, who's the spiritual dad to us, felt like if he'd gather a million women on the mall and they would corporately cry out for a lost generation, that something would turn in America. And so he asked about seven of us who are spiritual daughters of his to help organize it. When I was a Princeton student, I... um. I had met Lou. <laughs> I was the first Christian in my family, and the way I rebelled at Princeton was I um, joined every Christian group, even the Korean group, because my uh, my <laughs> my dad's Indian, my mom's Jewish, and they just wanted me, like a good Indian Jew, to be a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, to make lots of money to be their retirement plan. <laughs> And so um, when I went to Princeton, I just went crazy in God. It was the seedbed of the Great Awakening. It's where Jonathan Edwards, the first president, and um, Lou was coming to campus, and he felt like he was supposed to go to the places where the first Great Awakening started. And he took this kettle to campus because the slaves weren't actually allowed to pray during slavery, so they would take a kettle and they would hide under the kettle in the middle of the fields at night, and they would pray for the freedom of their children. And they would rumble under this kettle. So he took the kettle to the chapel, and I brought. I called every student on campus. I literally invited all the Christians to come, and they were all evangelicals and didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit or speaking in tongues, and it was like charismania. I mean, there's banners and shofars and... <laughs> the flag ladies in Hebrew and I mean it was just like Elijah list descends on Princeton and um I got in so much trouble because it weirded everybody out it wasn't the presence that was offending it was just all the razzmatazz hoopla but um Lou sat with me the next day and he said Shara what's your dream and I come from a really broken family. Um, almost everybody in my family has tried to commit suicide. They've ended up in mental hospitals. And I had never had a father say, look me in the eyes and ask me what my dream was. And it changed my life. And it changed Princeton. Revival broke out that year with 24-7 prayer, with public preaching of the gospel. It was kind of like God's Not Dead, that movie. And so... Um, Lou asked a bunch of us, that was about 20 years ago, <laughs> he asked a bunch of us to help organize Rise Up, and the day before there was a leadership gathering, and it was, there was another KKK thing in Charlottesville, and in the leadership gathering, I just start weeping, I cannot stop crying, and I said, Lou, I feel like all the women are supposed to take a knee. They're literally supposed to take a knee and cry out for, against racism and just weep over America, 
And some of the other people were like, Shara, that's going to be so controversial. <laughs> you know, as if Lou's gatherings of praying for the ending of abortion in front of the White House with, like, red tape on people's mouths. Like, you know, as if it's not controversial enough, you know? <laughs> and, um, and the next day, you know, Lou was hoping for a million women, and there was a torrential downpour, like, from Hurricane Nate. So there wasn't even 20,000 women. <laughs> so we get there at 6 a.m., Danny and I have our hoodies on, and... Um, and we're about five hours into the day, and I just felt like the Lord was like, it hasn't, it hasn't broken. Like, we need to go into that repentance time of repenting over racism and getting on a knee. And so I go to Lou, and I say, Lou, this has not shifted. We have to repent. We have to weep. We have to call the women to their knees. And he looks at me really funny. He goes, oh, oh, you do it, Shara. You do it. You know, which is totally Lou. And so... Um, Cindy, Cindy, one of our spiritual, like our mentors, she goes forward, Cindy Jacobs, and she takes Martin Luther King Jr.'s family, and she starts repenting. And the presence of God hits me in a way that's actually only happened to me one other time that I can remember. Um, I was with Heidi, literally in the upper room in Jerusalem, where Acts 2 happened, and I went into this encounter, and I go into this encounter, and I'm on the stage, and I am sobbing, and I'm weeping, and I'm shaking, and there's snot everywhere. I mean, it is, I couldn't breathe. I was heaving. I thought Danny was going to have to get me. I just went into this place of the heart of God. And he showed me um, how much more love he wants us to possess. That it's not an issue of racism. It's an issue of us not loving the way Jesus loves that if we understood the way he feels about each of us, we'd have no choice but to give it away to everybody. And I saw the bankruptcy of my own heart, and I thought, Jesus, I just, I need to be possessed by that type of love. I'll do anything. And I remember calling the women to their knees, but I didn't make any sense, and you couldn't understand me because I was crying so much. <laughs> it wasn't glorious, and um, I cry. All, I, <laughs> he's so sweet. Um, and I you know there's downpouring and I call the women to their knees and you just see like 20,000 women take a knee and then you hear waves of sobbing just sobbing and sobbing and I felt like the Lord was asking us for a baptism of love which is what I feel like he's going to do today and as the women are just weeping and crying out for more of the love of God you know, such a simple message. Here were the guests or the special friends, and I feel like we have the simplest of messages. But as they are crying out for more love, the rain stops. And then there is this beautiful, just like a gentle breeze. And you could just feel that it was done. You could just feel that it was lifted. And I feel like that's what the Lord wants to do today. That a lot of you know about the love of the Father, and you really love Jesus with everything but he's going to take you to this place in his heart where nothing else matters because you know, like you know, like you know that the one who is love, every thought is on you, that he delights in you, that you're like the twinkle of his eye, that he's always boasting, hushing the angels as we sing off key and give him like pennies and just do our best to say, I love you, Jesus. And the first thing I want to talk about, and I felt like a lot of you would relate, I know not everybody went to Berkeley, but I know some of you did, is striving. And this has been the hardest area for my life, just because I grew up in a family where there was a lot of conditional love. My dad would only pay attention to me when I brought my report card. So naturally, I was straight A, cum laude, like all of you Asians, you know? I was like... <laughs> typical overachiever you name it I was the captain of the swim team French club acting you know I'm I mean I just joined it because I was bored and I wasn't allowed really to be Christian so I did all the activities <laughs> and so um I grew up thinking that it was kind of like that with God that if I was a missionary in Africa and living on beans and rice, not out of a Daniel fast, but just literally because I was poor <laughs> and I had no food. And, you know, like if I did, if I went to the ends of the earth and, you know, did all this stuff that maybe it would make God love me more, that maybe like I'd get gold stars in his book. And um, 
I want, I know you guys have literally done a line by line through Matthew. I wish I could hear it. I can't wait for Matthew 22. I'm going to podcast it. That's the wedding feast to come. But anyway, um, in Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus steps into earthly ministry, what is the coronation? What is the inauguration of heaven? It's, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he hadn't done any ministry. You know, Hebrews 1 says Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And before he was the perfect Savior, he was the perfect beloved Son. And I just want to read um, Galatians 3, 2. Do you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The law brings a curse. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians warns us that when we try to be perfected by the law, we're bewitched. We're under a curse. It's the um, same way that Satan tempted Jesus in the desert. The first question, if you are the son of God. You know, we don't have to prove our identity. And striving or performance is, is trying to make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. And it's like basing your emotional well-being on your own spiritual discipline rather than the finished work of the cross. You know, if you think about Adam and Eve when they fell, what was the first thing? They ran from God. Mm-hmm. How many of us, you know, when we're having a good week and we've done Bible study and home group and read our little 15 minutes in the morning, we run to God. But then if we're struggling with pornography or masturbation or we're attracted to non-Christians or struggling with eating disorders or whatever the struggle is right now, we, we hide from the Lord because we feel like he's upset or he's disappointed or we're under a shadow. And I want to show this video clip before we just finish this point. Um, this is another clip. It's called, um, it's called the, it's from the Blood Diamond. And it's the story of a son that gets stolen by the Congolese rebels. And instead of being a son, he's turned into a child soldier. But it's the power of the father's voice to restore identity.
feel like that scene really um, is such an amazing embodiment of the power of the, the voice of the Father. You know, so many times we find ourselves finding our identity or striving or even being caught by the enemy, like the boy in this movie, where we think if we do this, then that makes us a man. If we perform this way, then that makes us a good Christian. And it just takes the voice of love saying, this is who you are. This is my son. You are from this tribe. Your mother loves you. She's making you plantain. And some of us um, never had an earthly father or mother that just showered us in unconditional love. And I just feel this evening that the Lord is literally going to remove that roadblock of striving and performance where we know, like we know, that we're loved because of the finished work of the cross. So we're going to talk about some of the roadblocks that Shara said, and she did a <coughs> fantastic job of just starting that. <coughs> One of the major, major roadblocks is uh, shame. And, you know, <coughs> the Lord shows us in the beginning, uh, it's not ever too late, but we could have, he wanted us to see it from the beginning. And it's never too late to go back to the beginning. He's after our heart. He pursues us. No condemnation to all of us here, but we get in our own way because of the pain, the betrayal, the things that happen in life with our earthly father, teacher, pastor, friend. You're going to get hurt. When you come out of your mom's womb, you're crying immediately. There's a need, right? So you just can't escape that. But what's sad is including myself that I based a lot of my life the betrayals, the hurt, the pain, the wounds with the Father. And um, I want to take you back to um, Genesis chapter 2 verse 25. We won't stay there too long. I mean, you know the whole context. I know you guys love the Bible. I know I I hear so many great things. You are the word, (laughs) you know. And um, so I won't go into that. We won't go down that road. But I want to hit some points that actually the Lord wanted to show you practical things. Just practical things so you know what it is and identify it. And then we're going to go after it. Okay, amen. So um, uh, chapter 2, verse 25 It says, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. See, it says to you there that there wasn't any shame at all. It's because they were naked, they were being, there was no performance, there was no striving that Shara was talking about. There was no comparison, no competing. The tree of life, uh, good and evil, opened the eyes, popped the eyes open, they saw good and evil and they thought they could be God and it just, there's no clarity there. We do it today right i want to go now to um a dictionary um the definition first what shame is and shame is a painful um feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior i want to identify shame and guilt and sort of separate that because a lot of things we hear in the church not the church's fault or a lot of things we've been misled by even in the scriptures, is that shame and guilt are the same, where they're not. They're actually two separate, two different things going on, two separate emotions. And I know in the Bible it's been mentioned shame 433 times um, for a reason, right? And the guilt definition in in the dictionary is the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. Simple as that. Let's just keep it simple. Now, first I want to talk about guilt. And it's honestly, through, through my experience in life, man, I, I was confused in shame, guilt, condemnation. I didn't know where I was going. My head was spinning. And I was, I mean, I had 20 years of just brokenness, um, insecurity, uh, keeping things silent, um, not telling anyone about it. And I didn't know how to express it. And I suppressed it. And when you suppress it, it becomes depression. When you suppress your feelings and tuck them away, it's very, very dangerous. 
And what happened to me, and keep it short before we go into this, when I was 28, after 20 years or whatever it was, all the pain I saw as a little boy, all the things that I shouldn't have seen as a little boy, just popped up. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know who to tell. I didn't know. So I went looking for it, love, nurture, all those comfort in all the wrong places because I was just confused, right? So guilt says, I'm sorry I made a mistake. It's really something that if you made a mistake or you intentionally did something through brokenness that you're actually sorry for. You messed up. We'll keep it as simple as that. And then we go to shame. Shame says, I am a mistake. It's an identity thing. So let's go back to Genesis. It was all about taking the identity out. Now, shame has a lot of attachments to it. It has self-hatred. It even has striving. It even has competing, comparison. It has all, all death, basically. And um, I don't know about you, but there's a, there's a tape, couple of tapes that play in my head when I battled with shame. And I want to release that because everywhere I've spoken about this, it's actually, um, I mean, it's, it's delivered people. Because when you see it, you're going you're gonna to go, oh, wow, okay, that's what it is. The wisdom's there that Holy Spirit gave me um, personally. So shame drives two tapes. I'm not good enough. If you get through that, who do you think you are? Think about that one. Like whatever it is in life, whether it's a career, ministry, school, um, grades, right? What your parents think of you, right? Um, so shake, shame is really a focus of the identity and guilt is really a focus of behavior, okay? Now, one thing is if... I'll, I'll get to that later. I don't want to get too um, rabbit-trailed here. I tend to do that. So shame is I'm bad. Guilt is I did something bad. Shame is connected to self-hatred. Now, media doesn't really play a good hand in influence. It could be family, media, magazines, what you're supposed to look like. Models, right? I, I remember being in the modeling industry and acting industry. Man, people are broken with bulimic. They just want to be, they have to be a certain weight. You know, that zero size, which is a total lie. Um, we have, they talk about what size you've got to look up for a leading actor, right? Um, being abandoned. Who's been abandoned? I mean, I've been abandoned, right? Um, being betrayed. We talked about that. Not skinny enough. See, the lie is in order to be seen, then we deserve connection. Now, God created us to, um, to be loved and to love. That's what we're created for, to be in the garden, you know, not hide. Who said you were naked? That's what the Lord says. Now, um, birds are meant to fly, and they're created to fly, but if you clip their wings, they don't fly. It's the same as us human beings. We are the apple of God's eye. We are the apple. We are, in other words, if you think about this, the whole universe and everything it created, we are the focal point. We are the focal point, and it's, and it's Hebrewic right? Um, but now when it gets sort of, if you can identify, it's really simple. It's not that difficult. It's just knowing and seeing it and then what the opposite is, right? Because you guys are very intellectual. The problem is sometimes, uh, including all of us in religion, we can get intellectual. We can read this, but if we don't experience it or bring Holy Spirit into it, then there's no relationship. And it can get diluted, right? And it's not saying anything. Trust me, I love you guys. <laughs> um, don't, don't do anything. <laughs> okay. So, so I want to bring you to another scripture, right? So, because there's a couple of scriptures, especially when I was suffering with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks. I had to go to chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God never created a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Over and over and over and meditate that until it went into my heart and until I believed it, right? Now, first, uh, chapter, uh, first John chapter 1, verse 9, when we confess our sins, and I'm going to take you where the healing comes, um, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is the truth here, okay? Now, <clears throat> when we confess that to God, what did it say? He cleanses us. He forget, it's forgetful from the east to the west of all unrighteousness, not some, anything you do in your life anything right now when we confess to a brother and sister meaning when you confess to someone that you can trust it brings healing god created man not to be alone 
God flows through each and every one of you in some sort of way, in some sort of different organic way that he's created you so different to, to the person next to you. Such different personalities, such different giftings, right? So we, 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 we tend to focus on what God isn't doing rather than what he is doing. And that's an attitude shift. And that's as well like, you know, renewing your mind of Christ, right? Or even, you know, holding that thought captive. When you see it, you're arrested because you have the authority and dominion that you were given from the beginning in Genesis. You arrest it like a police officer would arrest a criminal, right? Because you've created a relationship that's not true, right? So, so people without shame. Now, we all have some shame. I have shame to this day. It creeps up, but I keep it and I knock it out. I have to knock it out. And um, it's an onion layer, of a, a, a peeling of onion layer, right? It's like it, until you go back to Jesus, it's going to be an ongoing process. But you can get really healed and free. That's what we, you know, that's what he wants from you. Now, being wholehearted, wholehearted is courage is the word, a Latin word, and means wholehearted. Now, being imperfect, not being afraid of making mistakes. Perfection is shame. But if you're not afraid of making a mistake and being imperfect and being, that's wholehearted. That's the truth. That's the truth of being, right? It's been flipped. It's been flipped and we've been deceived, right? Now, being imperfect, courage, imperfect. Now, another thing is I'm enough starts with enough. Just being, an, being you and going, I'm enough here. There's, there's some things we can't have control in. There's some things that we got to just surrender and we can look at ourselves. Self-hatred is something I suffered, man. Couldn't look at myself in the mirror. You know, and that breaks his heart. Having compassion for yourself, to be kind to yourself. Jesus walked with compassion. How was he going to walk with compassion if he didn't have compassion for himself first? Right? Connection, willing to let go of who you should be. It's another identity thing. You know? Um, another thing is, I know we all have opinions. It, who are you hanging out with? You know, is it a family member that keeps just sliming, meaning being, de- it's not, you love your family, but maybe they're just so, um, um, just, just negative, constant negativity. You know, sometimes we can't get along with our own families, right? Which is sad. So you need boundaries sometimes. You've got to set some boundaries, like not now. <clears throat> Take care of your side of the street. You know, set that boundaries rather than, um, if you don't set boundaries, it can, it can, end up in resentments so choosing boundaries over resentments this is all wholehearted living right and um and one of just before we transition um the fear of man gives you so much confusion what happened to the fear of god it's not the trembling but it's the fear of god gives you clarity see i'm afraid to live without him that's the fear i'm afraid i've got to hold on to him every single day by today's grace just to live and I don't know how I lived before without him right and um, you know and, and accountability find someone that you really can trust pair up and be vulnerable because when you have vulnerability and accountability shame can't come in it just cannot come in that's the key and um, I just want to give you a quick finishing a scripture just to remind you again what Jesus did and it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning, you know, the definition of scorning is shame, scorning the shame, and sent, uh, sat down at, right? So um, that's, I hope I wanted to give you some bullet points and just, just meditate on that with the Lord, you know, and... How many of y'all have ever felt like God was disappointed with you? Yeah. <laughs> that he was at a distance. How many of you guys have walked um, through trauma and it feels like, how could God love me if he allowed this? Yeah. Or how many of y'all have made mistakes in the past and you feel like God's still making you pay for them like penance? where we don't realize it, but we're secretly under condemnation. 
John 21, and then we're going to go into another film clip before we hit the final roadblock. John 21 is where Peter has fallen. He chose to deny Jesus three times, the rock upon which God builds his church. I love God's editing system. Look at the way he records the great men and women of faith in the Bible. David is not remembered by Bathsheba. He's remembered as a man after God's own heart who fulfilled the full will of God in his generation. Abraham who wavered. He is accredited as a man of righteousness. His faith was accredited as righteousness. The way the father sees things is so different than the way that we see things. We judge ourselves by our failure. God looks at us according to the movements of our heart and we have to learn how to be so in tune with the heart of the father that we're no longer swayed to and from by our struggles that we walk in perfect communion and friendship like Adam and Eve we were put in this world for friendship you guys are obviously brilliant and talented to survive the Bay Area I always come here and I'm like if I was going to pay thousands of dollars for rent, I would have beachfront in Hawaii. I don't know why you guys spend so much money. Everything is so expensive. The witchcraft is like crazy here. Last time, last time I was here, um, Ryan and Suki are always so hospitable. I went to sleep and I woke up in the morning and I felt so much suicidal, like the suicidal spirit. And the Lord was like, that's what's over here. Mm. This is just what a lot of the students deal with. And I was like having to prayer walk and shikababa it off. I mean, it was just, I'm like, you guys, you know, you're so talented. But sometimes in order to be that top 1%, that Ivy League, the cyber Silicon Valley, Google, Facebook population, you push yourself so much that you think your value is in doing and not being. And when we waver and when we stumble, like when Peter denied Jesus, what did he do? He went back to fishing. Why did he go back to fishing? He thought that the word of the Lord over his life was canceled because he struggled. How many of y'all feel that? You know, or maybe you've had so many words. This happened to me. I had so many words that I would be married for decades and it took years before my prince came. And I literally doubted. I, was I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't I waiting in hopeful, eager anticipation. I was fasting and praying out of desperation. I would like force my Mozambican kids, they wanted to eat my food every night, and I was like, if you want to eat, you have to pray for your father. You have to pray right now because maybe if God won't listen to me, he will not deny chocolate children that have starved half their life. <laughs> So literally before they would eat at night, the Mozambicans would be like, God, send a father wherever he is, send a father, God. And I, years, I mean, this was years and years and years, even though you name it and they prophesied about my husband, I collected prayer for Daniel. That's what I did. I had every speaker when I was in Mozambique, just pray for my husband. But sometimes they came up to me (laughs) nonstop. Oh yeah, we, at, we at pray our, for you. We pray for you. Right, at yeah. our Mozambican wedding, there was we were on the beach. It was Matthew 14. I know you guys read that, or that's Luke 14. I have to remember what that. Anyway, the the wedding feast where you invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. You send out so the father's house will fill. We literally did that for our wedding in Mozambique. So there's like hundreds of children on the beach, and widows, and you know, and all the kids are coming up. I prayed for you. Oh, I prayed for you. Why you take so long? Where you been? Finally, Danny was like, I've had it. Can I just kiss the bride and can we get done with this? Because this was like, it's true. It, was, it was actually true. It's very true. But so Peter denies Jesus. He saw the Sermon on the Mount. He saw Jesus in transfigured state. He literally saw miracles that the book cannot contain it. He saw the word in flesh walking and yet he denied And he went back to fishing because he felt like he wasn't good enough. How could God's love reach down? Like that song that's out right now, Relentless Love, it's like my favorite love. My favorite song, it's like he leaves the 99 to chase the one. There's no mountain too high. And when Jesus sees Peter, what does he ask Peter in John 21? Peter, do you love me? He asked him three times, and it's 
Do you phileo me? Meaning like friendship love. Do you phileo me? Friendship love. Do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? What Jesus was saying, you see yourself as a hopeless hypocrite. You see yourself as this broken fisherman that denied me for the sake of a girl when the rooster crowed. You see yourself by your failures, but I look at your heart and I look at that heart and I say, I will build my church on that rock. So I don't care what you struggled with. I don't care. Not that I don't care. It doesn't matter that your, if your parents were the best or the worst, if you had Bill Johnson as your dad. Because God's love is so strong that it reaches in and it transforms. And his words over your life are yes and amen. He does not give up. But when we allow condemnation, it's literally like this film where you're, you're praying and you can't feel his love. How many of us sometimes feel like it's like a ceiling when we're praying? It feels like we're talking to ourselves. We, it sometimes doesn't even feel like God's real. Mm. But these issues of the heart literally form a block. Yeah. And I want to go into one more film clip, and we're going to hit the last point. Um, we're going to hit the last point. This is a clip from The Shack, which is my favorite current movie. It's even as good as Compelled by Love. <laughs> well, we're going to sign them at the very end of the service. Paul Young, the author, is like a spiritual dad to us. We're actually um, taking him to Sundance this year for, our, for the film festival. Because we're working on our next movie, Hosea, where Danny's going to be Hosea. (laughs) And um, so we're going to go use the shack to preach the gospel. But some of us um, have had trauma in our life, and we blame God. Mm -hmm. And we've misassigned the players. We don't realize where the enemy has caused havoc in our life and where it's God. And then we literally live at a distance, and we accuse God instead of running to him. So this is our final film clip, clip, and then we're going to go into some ministry. Oh, she's playing Papa God for those that have, haven't seen this movie. <laughs> and he went through a major trauma with his daughter. I know. What a great gulf there is between us now. You may not believe it. I am especially fond of you. Mm-hmm. I want to heal that woman. Between us, there's no easy answer that'll take your pain away. No instant fix that's enduring. Life takes a bit of time and a lot of relationship. Relationship. You're the Almighty God, right? over in his woodshed right now covered in sawdust. Truth.
understand the mystery. Don't ever think that what my son chose to do didn't cost us both I want to call the worship team forward and I want to keep the lights dimmed if that's okay so we talked today about performance and striving and shame and guilt and a little bit about condemnation comparison, idolatry but sometimes we also have unforgiveness in our heart towards God because we don't understand why he allows us to be dealt the cards that we're dealt with. And I just felt like the Lord wanted to do heart surgery today. Can you go back into um, highest praises? That's on the thing earlier. So we're, we're going to go into a worship song, and then we're going to lead you actually in a corporate prayer of deliverance. Yeah, and I just feel like... Um some of you haven't forgiven yourself from, from, from choices that you made in the past. Because the way God sees you is pure and blameless. And you don't you need to, to hear the truth today because that will set you free. Some of you need to maybe get together with someone after the, after church and just just be vulnerable with what's going on in life. Don't keep it a secret. That's what he wants you to do. The enemy wants you to keep it a secret. And that'll torture you for maybe 10 years, 20 years, 15 years. Like me, it tortured me for 20 years. I don't want you guys to go through it, neither does God. So if anyone needs prayer right where you're at and you feel like, you know, you're struggling right now, don't be ashamed of that. Just, you know, you can put your hand up or, you know, come forth. Whatever We're going to uh, break into groups of two after this song. So no one's put on the spot. Yeah. But there's something about vulnerability that is going to set you free. Because there's no shame. You're created for a relationship. You're created for Him and just Him. And you're put here on this earth for a purpose. Not just for a plan, for an actual purpose. So the first part of the prayer, don't let anyone be alone. Don't let anyone be alone. It's a really quick prayer. And then Ryan's going to close us out. I know we've gone a little bit later than normal. And thank you guys for being troopers. Yeah, thank you. The first part of the prayer is you're going to say, Father, I nail to the cross. And then you're going to list whatever it is he's highlighted. Maybe it's self-hatred. Maybe it's comparing myself, whatever it is. The first step is you're going to say it out loud with a person. Do it one by one. So you have to open your mouth for that.
So, Father, I nail to the cross and then list it, whatever it is, self-hatred, anger towards somebody, unforgiveness, unforgiveness towards God, idolatry, comparison, competition. Striving. Striving, performance. So you both do that. And then the second step is you're going to say, Father, I break agreement. I want everyone to repeat after me. Father, I break agreement, known or unknown, with every ungodly belief and every lie related to, and then go ahead and talk to God about it. And the final step is I want you to say, Holy Spirit, if today, November 12th, 2017, if I give you all this, what will you give me in exchange? And I want you to just wait and let him speak to you. He's going to give a divine exchange. He gives us beauty for ashes. He gives us joy for the spirit of heaviness. It's a divine exchange. Some of you are going to have vision. Some of you are going to just feel scriptures. Some of you are going to just be excited, like a knowing. Some of you are going to go home and experience it in a dream. Some of you aren't going to be able to just like handle this right now or maybe experience it immediately. Don't be discouraged. Sometimes when it hits the heart, it doesn't have time to hit the brain, you know, the thought. None of Holy you missed Spirit, it. to show them. Yeah. Release a promise. And Father, I just want to plead the blood of Jesus over this whole congregation, each and every one of the beautiful, precious children of yours, God, that no one will miss it. No one will miss anything today, God, that you speak deeply into their hearts and you marinate it, God, the way you intended it to be, the relationship, the depth of your heart, God, that will make up for a lifetime, a lifetime, and an excitement coming into eternity with you, God. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray one final blessing over us and then release us. We're going to have prayer ministers up front. If you still feel in process and you still feel like you want to agree with the work of God that he's doing, you can either stay where you are and sit in the pew for as long as you need, or there'll be people up here to pray for you as well. Um, So let's just continue into the place, the deep work that the Lord is doing. And uh, whenever you're done, we will be done. Lord, we thank you for the truths spoken here today. God, I thank you that nothing can separate us from the love found in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father found in Christ Jesus. And thank you that the blood of Jesus is our confidence and our security. God, we plead the blood of Jesus over everybody here. And thank you for the restoration of the Father's connection, the Father's heart, the Father's love. God, that happens in the blood of your Son. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you're doing. We ask that you would complete it, God. For the people in here, God, that just have a hard time getting there, either prayed it a bunch of times or never prayed it at all, God. We ask that the power of your spirit, you would come, that you would not require perfection. You don't require perfection in the ask. You just, you just ask us to invite you in whatever way we can. And so we don't require perfection of ourselves in the ask, Lord. We embrace you in all of your glory and thank you for who you are. Please complete your work in this place tonight, in every heart and every mind.
We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.